This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. listening to a clip from The Vile Stuff, one of the songs from experimental folk singer-songwriter Richard Dawson's latest album called Nothing Important. Richard has been getting rave reviews for the four-track LP released in 2014, five stars from The Guardian and seven out of ten from the NME, to name just two favourable reviews. I recently spoke to the musician and artist from Newcastle to talk to him about his music, performing live and his own personal experiences of having a rare eye condition. First of all, Richard, can you tell me about your eye condition? It's um, quite hard to see and it's, it's quite rare, isn't it? Oh, yeah, apparently so. I, I call it uh, excellent retinoschisis, but I, I recently, my brother was recently talking about it in an interview. He's, a, he's a, uh, an athlete and uh, he pronounced it uh, excellent retinoschisis. So I'm not really sure. Oh, so there's a bit of an inter-family debate. Oh yeah, a lot of tension. Uh, I don't know. I don't know which is the definitive version. But uh, I was I always had it down as shysis. But they call it juvenile retinoschisis as well because it it uh, it appears when you're generally quite young, uh, or at least that's when it's kind of generally picked up on is when you're kind of three or four around that kind of age, you know. So both yourself and your brother have the same condition. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, with it being X-linked, that's that's to do with the chromosome. So it's carried on the X chromosome. Um, so it's carried by women because women are X double double X, and so if I had a son, he definitely wouldn't have it because I would have had to give him my Y chromosome for him to be a a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get pretty mixed up with all this stuff still, though. But it uh, is quite hard. <laughs> I, I'm the same, but I think that's men, to be honest. Yeah, 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 for sure. Me brother, we, we have the same condition, but he is—he's uh, worse affected. He's registered blind. Uh, I'm registered partially sighted. And he's a para triathlete, isn't he, Ian Dawson? That's right. Yeah, yeah. He's—he's uh, he's getting on now. I think they were aiming for Rio, but I think that's the. Uh, that's looking. That's not looking so lightly now. They kind of changed a lot of the um, the uh, criteria, and so he's 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 probably not going to make it to the next Olympics. But he's he's been in the Paralympics a couple of times and world champions and stuff like that. So you've went down the creative route, and he's went the sporty route. I come from a sporty family. Everybody's sporty. My dad's an athletics coach. My sister's a PE teacher, and uh, my brother's a <laughs> athlete and I'm, I'm a slob <laughs> but what would you see what would you see compared to a in quotation marks normal person yeah well, I, <clears throat> I guess it's it's difficult because we we can't nobody knows what what the world looks like through anybody else's eyes but mm. I, I guess some some simple things would be like 
the edges of things. You know, I, I don't really have a, you know, the edge of a table or the edge of a page yeah. isn't isn't a crisp line as I've as I've heard it described by, as I say, normal sight people. Mm -hmm. Things are a little blurred, and sometimes things take time to come into shape. You know, or come into to make sense almost. So sometimes uh, a face can take a little while to to make sense, or uh, you know, you, you because your brain fills in a a, a lot. It, it is it's interesting. You know, you I, I, I can I manage fine, and I, I have a, a a lot of sight. I kind of. I can see a great deal, but also I'm aware I'm I'm missing a lot too. But I also kind of see it from the other side, which is that I've just got a different perspective. So I'm seeing things, softnesses and fogginesses that maybe other people miss out on. So uh, I get kind of uh, floating things and some hallucinations too, you know, uh, I think that's quite common. I don't think everybody necessarily calls them hallucinations, but uh, you know, strange shapes and strange objects. But I went through a phase of whenever I'd close my eyes, or often when I close my eyes, I'd I'd have a very clear, often like a Chinese style ornate box. <laughs> it sounds really wild, but uh, um, and just or or different kinds of objects, usually ornamental objects. Uh, just, just very clear in, uh, in my mind's eye, not, not like an imagination, but like a hallucination. Yeah. So, so it would be when you, you closed your eyes, then that would kind of appear. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's the other side, which is just, uh, you know, just in your waking day and your normal every day, almost uh, your, your brain get, getting things wrong. The information it's received is you know, slightly foggy, so it makes up things, and I think that's a different side of it, you know, you see strange objects, or one one thing is I'm always reading street names wrong, mm -hmm. and reading them as being really filthy, <laughs> filthy words. And that's your brain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. In terms of music, Richard, when did you first become involved and interested in music? I always was, I remember, like, some of my earliest memories would be uh, being in the car with my dad, um, and he had uh, you know like a little, one of those little plastic suitcases, you know like the mini kind of false false leather tape cases, uh, and he just used to play the those twenty or thirty cassettes on a, a loop, and he just recorded it all off the radio, and it was you know mini sixties stuff, uh, and so I remember like that was uh, Jimi Hendrix and. Uh, the Beatles and stuff like that, and then some heavier stuff. Uh, so I remember, yeah, really enjoying singing along to those kind of things in the car. And then uh, my sister got into kind of Michael Jackson at first, and then then it was Iron Maiden. So those were probably the first big three: Hendrix, M Michael Jackson, and Iron Maiden. And the, I always remember liking music, you know, always wanting to perform right from being, you know, seven. When did you actually pick up a, a guitar and start to play then? Well, my dad had one, so I had to go on it when I was probably nine, ten, and but I wasn't really a, allowed to. You know, I would sometimes sneak in and <laughs> have a little pluck. But I, when I think it was my thirteenth birthday, uh, I'd asked. I really wanted a drum kit. I wanted to be a drummer, 
and my dad wouldn't have a drum kit in the house, <laughs> so so he got a guitar instead. How would you describe your your approach to your your lyrics? You seem to draw upon like real life personal experiences. And songs like The Vile Stuff, you know, that sounds like something that was very personal and a very kind of specific time in your life. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I, I don't want to go into too much detail about the songs. I kind of want them, you know, I wouldn't want to explain anything per, per se, but uh, uh, I think uh, I kind of start from uh, what, you know, things that have maybe happened to me or people I know and then hopefully try and make something that's not just limited to that one experience, you know, that it could be fluid enough that it could have a number of different meanings, uh, meaning for whoever wanted, you know, want, uh, so that each person can bring their own, each listener can bring their own uh, their own things to it. And so hopefully it it, it comes from a personal place, but it's not uh, it's not personal in in a didactic way, you know, or a selfish way for me. I, 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 it's not about you know I, I'm not feeling these songs on an emotional level when I play them. Although it can be a, it can be emotional too, but primarily it's an energy thing. Maybe maybe I'm saying too much. <laughs> so you basically you're quite happy for people to have their own interpretations of your own music. Yes, sure. I mean, I think it would be really, if I was making something that it were clear, I mean, this goes back to what we were speaking about before with the edges of things, you know, this this idea of clearness and uh, uh, clarity and there being a black and whiteness about things. I don't see that as being how the world is, you know. I don't. Mm-hmm. That doesn't uh, ring true for me. Uh, uh, fog and uh, blurriness... Uh, I can't remember who said it, but there was uh, somebody a lot smarter than me said that the uh, the the, bl- the only true image is a blurred one. So the idea that I would make something that would be didactic or telling somebody what to feel or think would be really hopeless. I think I I, I wouldn't like to I wouldn't like to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I I hope I'm not being too obtuse. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not my aim I would, and I'd love to be clearer but I, I think that it's important not to be because that's a part and parcel of some of the questions I'm trying to ask or some of the things I'm interested in and that's the beauty of music though isn't it we all have our own interpretations of songs you know we can attach moments and memories and things in our own lives to a song that the world enjoys yeah for sure for sure Well, Richard, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today and uh, thank you very much for joining me on Insight Radio. Ah, likewise. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk.